Go ahead and grab a seat. Have you, uh, have you ever, have you ever driven all night, you know, pulled like an all night road trip type situation? My brother and his family live in the Tampa area of Florida. And once a year, we kind of load up the kiddos into the van and we act like we're going to stay for 10 years. And we, you know, pack it with snacks and blankets and pillows and videos. And somehow we also get people in the van as well. And then we start, depending on traffic, the 15-hour drive to my brother's house. And the sentiment is basically to drive straight through the night while the kids are sleeping. That's the sentiment. It's usually not what happens, but it cuts down on cost because you don't have to stop at a hotel to sleep or anything like that. But when you're the one driving at 345 in the morning, I'm not sure if you would say that the cost for the hotel was that high. Can you tell who drives at 345 in the morning? But on this particular day, it was December 30th, 2019, and it was one of those trips. We'd driven all through the night since the previous day, and it was 8.07 in the morning. And I know the exact time, and I know the exact date, because I took a picture of how I was feeling at that pit stop. So here it is, right here. (laughs) Poor guy. I mean, I I felt this tired. I still look this tired sometimes. Please don't come up and say I look like this today. Somebody did that already, and I was like, it hurt my feelings a little bit. But so you're on one of these trips, right? And you see a beacon of light or something, and you're like, okay, well, you know, for us, it was this beacon of light called Chick-fil-A. And so we saw it, and we're like, okay, we're going to get breakfast. We're going to stretch our legs. We're going to let the kids play on the playground. And I was exhausted, like beyond tired, And I couldn't keep my eyes open at the table. I couldn't think straight. Have you ever kind of been in that type of situation? See, we're all tired sometimes, right? Some of you are tired right now, and we'll take a little nap here in a second, and that's okay. But we're all also like, sometimes we get spiritually tired. And we we grow tired of all sorts of different things in our life, physically, mentally, socially, relationally, all sorts of things. Sometimes we grow tired when things take a while. Like I've seen some of you waiting for like the self-checkout at Walmart, and I thought it was going to come to fisticuffs. Like it gets pretty intense. Or we grow tired when we don't see the results that we want after we've worked out like once. (laughs) We grow tired of things happening that are beyond our control. See, we grow tired when things are difficult and hard. We grow tired all the time. But in particular, spiritually, we grow tired when we put a bunch of effort in at home or at work or in a relationship, then we don't get any credit or it doesn't work the way we want. Or when somebody says something so unkind or so unloving, it takes our breath away. We grow tired as a parent and we're loving our kids and, and they don't maybe follow what we were hoping that they would in their life like we've been talking about today, or they end up screaming at us or turning away. We, we grow tired when we try to get ahead financially or in a career and we're doing everything we know how to do and we just can't quite figure it out. We grow tired sometimes, I think, when we read our Bible and when we pray and we go to church and we're trying to do all these spiritual things that God would want us to do and we're trying to please God and it still just feels like we're not enough or it still feels like things aren't going to turn out very well for us or barely able to make it through. We're like hanging by a thread. Have you ever felt like that? Now, this is the last week of our series called Galatians, Freedom, and Jesus. 
And we've been talking about the freedom that comes really from this relationship with Jesus and how grace really impacts and changes our lives. And today we're going to be talking about this idea of being spiritually tired. We're going to kind of hit it head on. This is the big idea for today that we're going to be talking about the entire morning. Because of Jesus, we are freed from growing tired. And that seems like a pretty unrealistic thing, right? Like, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to just turn out the lights and let just like everybody take a nap? Like there are pillows under your seats right now and you can, nobody even looked. I just wanted to see if somebody would. We're not talking about being physically tired, really. Jesus doesn't remove the need to rest or to have sleep. Actually, it's pretty important in, in our lives, but I'm talking about spiritual weariness, being soul tired. And that comes along with maybe, you know, these things in our life and you're doing these things and you're about to give up and you've done your best and it just doesn't seem like it's good enough and you don't seem like you're maybe where you would hope to be and you're about to quit and there's still things to be done and you're at your wit's end. This is how Galatians describes it. This is Galatians 6.9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And that sounds really nice. Have you ever had a really great night of sleep? You know, like you woke up and you're fresh and you're like, oh, I'm ready to go. Me either. <laughs> I know it might've been a long time for some of us, but, but remember that one time, you know, the one time, long time ago that you woke up and you were refreshed. That's kind of the image that comes to mind. That's what we're hoping for even in our soul, right? To be refreshed. Or maybe when you sit down and, and you've done a project at home, have you ever done that? And it looks really good. You've put in the time, you've put in the effort, you've put in the money, you've put in the sweat. And if you're married, you've put in the argument. And you sit down on the newly built whatever, newly built deck, or you, know, you sit in the freshly painted room and you think, this is nice. This is a job well done. That's kind of what we're seeking after sometimes in our spiritual lives. So how do we not grow tired of doing what is good? Well, I think the lead up actually to Galatians 6, 9, really the whole chapter of Galatians 6 can help us identify some ways to not grow tired spiritually. So we're going to go all the way back to Galatians 6, verse 1. Check this out. This is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. The thing that he just said in verse one was talking about how to share each other's burdens, how to engage people and where they at and what they're doing and how their spiritual lives are going. Share each other's burdens. And I think the burdens that are being described, you know, the, this interaction that we're doing is, is doing what is good. Like he's, he's kind of setting it up, helping other people, sharing burdens, point people who are struggling and turning away from God back onto the right path. And I think it's on purpose that we grow tired of this. We grow tired of sharing burdens. Like I'm tired of sharing your burden because I've got enough of my own. And I think really the point that Paul's trying to make and he's kind of setting up here is we're created for relationship and we're created to help one another, to share each other's burdens, to love one another no matter what we have going on in our lives. And actually, if you follow Jesus, that you're created to do that for other people who are following Jesus as well. It's, a, it's really what doing good looks like. 
So here we go. How in the world do we not grow tired in sharing each other's burdens or helping one another or doing what God would want us to do? Well, here we go. Here's the first one. Have loving relationships. And that's not rocket science. Everybody I know kind of wants loving relationships, right? But hear me out. A lot of us have people who we love. I don't know if all of us have loving relationships. We're inherently selfish. We're primarily focused on ourselves and often on how the other person treats us. Like we're much more concerned with that than we are with how we're treating the other person. But having a loving relationship is primarily others focused. See, we help We share burdens we love. So how does having a loving relationship help us not grow tired? Well, in a church community context, a loving relationship is a two-way street. When we're doing this well, one person picks up the burden and then the next person in line picks up their burden and we're sharing burdens all around a community. This is really the only way that it works because I can't just share your burdens and my own. Like I need somebody to help me while somebody else is helping them. You see how it kind of works together? And my burden is probably different than your burden. And one person carries mine, which they are maybe equipped to do or gifted to do or have the opportunity to do while somebody else is helping with theirs. And because everybody is helping in this way, it helps us not grow tired while we're carrying our own burdens. But I think it is worth saying right now when we're talking about this concept, sometimes we don't share burdens or carry or help one another or love one another because we're selfish and we don't want to help. We'll talk about that in a second. But sometimes we don't share burdens because we don't want to ask for help. Like we don't know, we don't want people to know that we're struggling. Or we don't want people to see kind of behind the mask or that we're being vulnerable. We don't want people to kind of interact with some of that world. We'd much rather present ourselves like we've got it all together. So I'm just going to say something to every single person, whether you're here, whether you're online, whether you're watching this a lot later than right now, you need help. And I don't mean that in like, you need help type of way. Like, I mean, like every single person needs help. Actually, I think we were created to need help. We need each other. God created us to need to rely on each other and need to rely on him. So getting help from others is honoring to God. And somebody needs to kind of think about that today because you're like, I am not going to let somebody else share this burden. But that's why sharing burdens from each other is such an important thing. Getting help from others is honoring to God. So I'm just saying it right now to you. Some of you need to ask for help. And if you don't take anything else from what we're talking about today, ask for help. People are willing, people are able, people have been created and designed and gifted to help you. How incredible is that? And you've also been created and gifted and designed to help other people. So that's the first way to not grow tired, to have loving relationships, to share the burden. But what else does Paul talk about in this context? So let's look at the next few verses. This is Galatians 6.3, and that's a good one. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's in the Bible. That's aggressive. But it's a great reminder, isn't it? We're designed to help one another, but sometimes we give into this lie that we're too important. 
And that's kind of the other side of the coin. We're prideful and say, no, I don't need help. I don't need help. But we're also prideful to say, we're too busy. I've never met a person who isn't busy. We have too much going on in our lives. Of course you do because life is full. We're too important to help is sometimes what happens. And this verse is aggressive. And it's like, I don't know, I have these images of like a little kid, you know, getting in somebody else's face or like a coach, you know, kind of getting in the face of a player. Like this is intense. You are not that important. It's like Paul's trying to shake us. Have you ever interacted with somebody who's having a rough time? That's all of us, right? We've interacted with somebody who's having a rough time. And you want what's best for them. So you say, like the phrase, you go like, is there anything I can do to help? And I believe that there are two types of people, just generically. There are two types of people in this scenario. The first one wants to help and maybe either does jump in or they don't know how. And that's, that's probably me sometimes. And we want to reach out and we, we want to help, but we don't know how. So we reach out and we say, hey, what can I do to help? And they're like, no, I'm good because they are really bad at, at receiving help. So here's the suggestion. If you see somebody who is in need of help, who needs a burden shared, just help them. Don't ask for permission. Just do it. Nike it. Just do it. Carry the burden. If you see it, seek a way to help them. Because sometimes when we ask, hey, can I help you? It's actually an added burden to the person who's trying to figure out what to do. Because now they're trying to figure their own stuff out and something for you to do for them. So that's the first type of person who's like, hey, I want to help, but I don't maybe quite know how. But here's the second type of person. This is the one who says, I want to help, but secretly inside does not want to help. I've been that person too. I bet you have too. Because if you've ever been asked to help someone move... Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got like fingers crossed, legs crossed, eyes crossed. If you could cross your ears, you would. Like, absolutely. And whether you offer and you're well-meaning, but you secretly hope to not have to help, I think the reminder is clear. Either way, you are not too important to help other people. But Paul's not even done. He's saying, hey, you're not too important. And then he adds to it in maybe a way that's a little unexpected. This is Galatians 6, starting in verse 4. So pay careful attention to your own work. What? For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. So what's he saying here? What does this have to do with, you know, kind of sharing each other's burdens? You're saying pay attention to yourself, your own job, your own conduct, your own responsibility. Here are a couple of things that I think we can learn right here. The first one is sometimes we are so lasered in on helping someone else that we forget all of our own stuff. Have you, have you met somebody like that? that? That maybe isn't the healthiest way to go about sharing each other's burdens. And so there are times we are not responsible for sharing every burden in the world all the time. That's part of what he's saying. You need to focus on what's in front of you. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand who God is. So maybe this is a different way to say it. So you're having loving relationships and you're sharing each other's burdens, but also we are called to be humble and understand who God is, and understand what God has put in front of us. Have you ever been so concerned with what somebody else is doing, it's distracted you from what you're doing? I have. My kids have. 
I mean, this last week, one kid was arguing with the other kid and arguing with me. He was like, hey, I, I want a popsicle. Why does this kid get a popsicle? Because I want a popsicle. And so, well, this kid got a popsicle because this kid did their chores. And all you would have to do is do your chores. I thank you for letting me get that off my chest because that's a real life example. <laughs> but but we've, we, we, we kind of do that as adults too. We're like, hey, I see what you're doing, or I see what you're posting, or I see how you're parenting, or I see the good that you're doing, or the bad that you're doing, and I am going to be so focused on you that I'm not really going to be paying attention to what God wants me to do. I'm much more concerned with you. And I think that's part of what Paul is saying with this humility. Understand who you are and understand who God is and be focused on what God has in front of you. See, humility helps us for focus on what's in our control, how we can navigate life with love rather than bitterness. And if we have this concept, then it's, it's super healthy and helpful, and it helps us not grow tired. You see how that all goes together? So we're loving each other, and we're trying to be humble, and we're understanding that we're not the center of the universe, and we don't have to be concerned with everybody else's work all the time. We don't have to help everyone all the time because that's not healthy. We're worrying about what God puts in front of us. And then Paul goes to verses 7 and 8. And this is really great stuff. This is what he says. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And then he gives you two examples of that. You will always harvest what you plant. Example one, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, selfishness, greed, pride, who are self-focused, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. That's intense. And here's the other example. Number two, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So this is what he's saying. Don't fool yourselves. We're all planting something. You can't trick God. You can't outwit God. You can't cut corners. So I want to be clear. This isn't like a quid pro quo type of thing. He actually talks about that earlier in Galatians, Paul does. That's the like, if, if I do this, then God, you'll give me that. If I, if I work hard enough, you'll save me, you know, that type of thing. He talks about that earlier. Nope, that's not what it is. But he is saying, hey, what you plant, what you do, how you interact with life will reap harvest later. We're all planting something. And what we plant directly leads to what we harvest. So what are you planting? Because we're all planting something. With who you are, with what you desire, with how you spend your money, with how you spend your time, with how you talk, with how you think, what you post on social media, all of those things are ways that we are planting seeds. So are you planting things of a sinful nature? Nobody's going to say that they do that. But are you planting fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. That's what we talked about last week. We, what we plant directly leads to what we harvest. Now, we live in Indiana. So how bizarre would it be in all these cornfields around us in Indiana if a farmer planted, you know, a corn crop and something else popped up? That would be weird, right? Like if it was corn, you know, planted corn as a bunch of rutabagas or something. Several years ago, the, uh, the field right across the street from the ridge was planted over with a cover crop of radishes or radish eye. I don't know which one's right. But let me tell you something. The smell that comes from the decomposition of the radish plant 
Smells like a gas leak in the middle of a field of outhouses surrounded by a sewage treatment plant. I mean, I love this. We got emails about the smell. Like, was someone cooking something in the kitchen that smelled so foul and we should not allow them to do that again? Or like, why did you allow someone to plant a radish crop in a field that you, the Ridge, don't own? What we plant directly leads to what we harvest. And if we plant our own selfishness, if we plant our own desires, if we plant things that don't please God, it leads to decay worse than the foulest smelling radish decomposition. But if we plant things that honor God, it leads to life. So we have loving relationships and we remember, okay, we need to be humble and remember who God is and who we are. And we're going to keep from growing tired and doing good because we are trying to live to please the Spirit. So what in the world does this mean? Well, Paul says it. I think it's actually saying the way to not grow weary is by loving God first. No matter what, we love God first. We live to please him. And then as we love God, as we put him in his rightful place, then all of these other things come into line. And we rely on God, not on ourselves. And we rely on God, even though other people are helping us. And that's the way he provides. This is a simple thing, I think, to think about. And it's a lifelong thing to do. But if we work to please the spirit, we will reap a harvest of blessing. That's what Paul says. And what pleases God is really what he's talking about. Doing what pleases God. It doesn't mean that pleasing God is always easy or that if we do that, that our life is always easy. It also doesn't mean that he's wanting us to pursue unhealthy behaviors that we act like are good, but actually maybe aren't pleasing God. I think it's okay to be wise. It's okay to be thoughtful about what we do. It's okay to say no sometimes. What he's saying is always work to please the Spirit. And if we do that, and we don't think ourselves too important to help, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. This is Galatians 6, 9, coming all the way full circle. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So what you plant directly leads to what you harvest. So what are you planting right now? Because it will determine what you harvest later. But I have to admit to you, sometimes I grow tired. Are you with me? I try to follow God. I try to do good. I try to live my life well. And it gets exhausting, especially when I'm trying to do it in my own power, in in my own strength. So I want to key in on three words that are really, really important that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle here. Here they are. We don't give up. All of this happens through perseverance if we don't give up. See, we don't want to get tired of doing what is good. We want to have loving relationships. We want to live in a way that is humble. We want to live to please the Spirit, but we don't give up in trying to please God. Now, some of you know my wife, Abby, and I are foster parents. We've added to our family in some amazing ways, and I have definitely been an eyewitness to the harvest of blessing. It's been a reminder of loving others. It's been a way to see loving relationships support us, which is humbling and amazing. It's truly a way that we've tried to live to please the Spirit. But I have to tell you, it is also sometimes 
overwhelmingly difficult. It is overwhelmingly difficult to not be able to go and change the past and the trauma that a child has been through. And you can see it in their eyes and you can see it in their behavior and you see it every single day. And it's overwhelmingly difficult to explain to our kids why these things happen in the world. To explain that a mother or a father wasn't able to take care or wasn't willing to take care or wasn't healthy enough to take care or wasn't sober enough to take care of their child. And it is overwhelmingly difficult to find the space for even me and Abby to connect and navigate the daily shifts and schedule or the updates, let alone just typical demands of life. And I admit to you, they're been times that I have grown weary in doing good. And I admit to you, there have been times I've been exhausted by just one more good thing. And I admit to you that doing good has felt anything but good, but still we don't give up. Why? Because we're trying to do our best to please the spirit, to rely on God. And we're picked up by loving relationships who have brought meals and said prayers and given encouraging words and given money when we haven't asked for it and watched kids truly sharing the burden. And that's a way that we don't give up. And we're reminded that many of us are just like one decision away from similar situations of pain and hurt and struggle and that people need help and we're not too important to help them. Kids need help, families need help, and if we believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross and we want to please the Spirit, we will help how and when we can. And when we grow tired, we lean on God and others, and we remember who we are and who God is, and we don't give up. Now, here's the thing. It's probably not foster parenting for you, right? It's probably something, though. There's something in your life and you're like, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how the story is going to end. Like, what's, what are you doing, God? I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're tempted to throw in the towel on doing something good. You're tempted to call it quits on working on the marriage because it's difficult. Or you're tempted to fall off the wagon and into relapse. And it is the hardest thing that you could possibly interact with. And you know that most of us don't understand that. Or you're tempted to stop the hard work. Or you're tempted to stop the parenting. Or you're tempted to stop forgiving. Or you're tempted to stop whatever. Because no one notices and no one seems to care. And you feel alone. And you're tempted to quit. Remember, you harvest what you plant. And we don't give up. And here's why. See, we don't give up because Jesus didn't give up on us. That's why. That's where it comes from. We're called to do good because of the one who is good. Doing good isn't about us at all, actually. It's about Jesus. And the call to love people so well that they begin to understand without a shadow of a doubt the love of a Savior. And I was asked recently why we foster, and I laughed out loud. Because my only answer is Jesus, and other than that, I don't know. 
I don't think we'd do it otherwise. But because of Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross and that he died on the cross for my sin, for where I needed the most help possible and gave me a life instead filled with joy and hope and peace and love that I don't deserve, grace that I can't earn on my own, I can't help but want people to experience the goodness of Jesus because he is good and he is faithful and he provides and he is kind and he is so loving that I want everybody to know it. And we want to give back and we want to care and we want to love people who need it most, not because of who I am or who we are, but because of who Jesus is. So whatever good you're called to, don't give up. Whatever step you're taking in your relationship with Jesus, don't give up. Whatever help you're giving, don't give up. Whatever seed you're planting, don't give up because at just the right time, at that perfect moment, whether you see it coming or not, you will reap a harvest so bountiful and so beautiful and so full that it can only be attributed to the blessing of God, a harvest of blessing. If we don't give up, if we please the Spirit, if we rely on Him, if we share each other's burdens, if we do it humbly and think ourselves not too important, don't give up. And I'd like for you to hear from somebody who is intimately familiar with growing tired, my friend Jerry. Hi, I'm Jerry Wishmeyer, and just want to take an opportunity to tell everyone my story that some things have went on in my life and for our family for, for a few years now. You go all the way back to 2014 and 15, found out that I had a um, heart valve that was failing and um, to go through um, open-heart surgery. Even though everything was fine and made it through the surgery, I was told later by the doctors that if they hadn't caught it when they did, that I wouldn't have survived. 2018, my um, wife was diagnosed with lymphoma. Fast forward to 2020, um, my wife Kimberly, she was still in treatment um, for lymphoma. COVID had just started. Everything was shut down. Um, I was working from home, and my hands started shaking. As that year progressed, I started having trouble walking. I would stumble, not enough to fall down, but enough that it's like, what's going on? I did the best I could that year, and also did the probably the most stupid thing. I hit it. I didn't tell my wife. She had enough to worry about. Took all the way into the following year of August of 21. After seeing two different doctors, and uh, ended up having to go to Indianapolis. They diagnosed me with Parkinson's. Hearing that one word though, my whole world just kind of crashed. Biggest worry or concern, and it still bothers me some today, is I was gonna be a burden. Yeah, I stumble, I can, but I can still walk. And I'm thankful for that, because there may be a day that I won't be able to. Wanna encourage anybody, that if you're going through a rough time, the Lord's got your back. You just have to trust Him. Trust Him that He'll be there for you, that He's taking care of us. I wouldn't have some of those winds, like the medicine working for my tremors, and even the wind with my wife is now in remission. Be thankful. Focus on the positive. And it's okay to rely on family and friends to get you through things, because they want to be there for you. My small group, just having them and being through all these um, 
the things that we've been through and the current times is just a blessing.